Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Psalm Springs. I'm here today with my good friend, my buddy, my teacher, Reverend Kevin A. Johnson of Bloom in the Desert Ministries. Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, welcome to Bloom in the Desert Ministries worldwide galactic, uh, you know, international headquarters here in our little corner of a parking lot in Palm Springs, California. Uh, Bloom is uh, was started as a new church start 17 years ago. My husband and I co-founded the church, and we came here to do our best to provide inclusive ministry in a mainline Protestant setting. And uh, both of us quit our jobs and sold everything and moved out here to the desert in order to start this ministry. And by uh, the grace of God, we have grown and uh, become what I think is a vital ministry of doing good works and sharing God's love in the Palm Springs community. And as a result of uh, being in that work, you and I crossed paths when you first came to town. And uh, it was uh, a good first date, as you have characterized it from time to time, in that we hit it off and and, uh, appreciated each other's ministries and backgrounds. I am honored that you call me a teacher because, Rabbi, I see you as my teacher, especially in situations like this. So I'm glad to be with you and welcome to my office. Well, for me, you're a teacher, uh, Rev. Kev, because uh, coming to the United States, being away for for 40 years and just really learning about the various denominations of Christianity in this country, uh, you opened my eyes to a whole new world of what's called UCC. And I know you were ordained as a Methodist minister, and in those days, coming out of the closet as a gay man uh, was problematic. What would be the difference between just really a regular chad, on one foot, as we say in the Jewish tradition, the difference between the Methodist Church and the UCC? The United Church of Christ uh, grew from a heritage coming from the pilgrims and the Puritans coming from England uh, in, uh, in 1620. The Mayflower Compact was actually the first covenant of a, um, and it was, and really the first uh, uh, Plymouth uh, colony was basically a religious colony. Um, And uh, the Mayflower Compact was the first covenant. The heritage is covenant oriented, meaning people do what they agree to do together, rather than creedal, ascribing to a creed or ascribing to a particular set of religious articles. The Methodist tradition is grows from the Anglican tradition, which had, and now I'm, you know, I've been gone a while, so don't, uh, don't, don't hold me to this pop quiz, had something like 23 articles of religion in the Anglican church. And when the Methodists came, uh, John Wesley and the local people here or whatever, they, they threw a couple of them out. And there are, let's say, 21 articles of religion. And those are the things to which Methodists are to ascribe. And, and uh, including various uh, um, attention to various creeds. The UCC, the United Church of Christ, is actually a conglomeration of four denominations that came together and agreed to be one in um, uh, 1957 and decided to continue with this emphasis on being covenantal more than being creedal. So that 
the phrase goes, if you've seen one UCC church, if you've seen one United Church of Christ, you've seen one UCC church. Everybody is unique. And so we get in a little, here we are in Southern California, and every once in a while, somebody from New England, I mean, the re- like especially Massachusetts, where it really started, somebody will relocate here, and they've been a Congregationalist or a UCC member all their life. Uh, and and uh, they come and they say, you're not doing it right. <laughs> and we say, we're doing it the way we do it. Right. And we're in the tradition, and we're a hybrid and uh, in the main aspect of it, that's one of the reasons we have a covenant that we ascribe to. That's the first portion of our bylaws, and that covenant is to be inclusive, to be followers of Jesus, and to be doing good in our community. And that's what we are ascribing to. And looking around your office here, there's a, there's a sign, looks like it's from a demonstration. No human being is illegal. There are things from uh, Harvey Milk. All sorts of signs and books that point to the direction that your church is a church of folks that are constantly praying for the state of our union, the state of our United States, the the social and cultural um, woes that we're going through right now, and um, and that you not only pray but do something about it. I know your your church is very active in a number of things, uh, in particular helping out with some of the refugees coming up from south of the border. Uh, but let's get to the psalm now. And you've chosen Psalm 121. Would you read it for us first in the translation of your choice and also tell us a little bit about the translation? I'm going to speak of the translation first because um, it, it, it builds on what you've just said. Um, I grew up as a kid in the Methodist tradition, and when we completed third grade in our Sunday school program in Lake, at Lake Street United Methodist Church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, we were given a Bible, and that Bible I still have. Um, I could reach around probably behind me and find it on a shelf, um, and that Bible was a copy of the Revised Standard Version, which was this uh, uh, National Council of Churches published uh, uh, a d- new translation to try to modernize the language in uh, uh, 1946, and it was thought to be scandalous by all of those who who, who, who wanted to have everyone uh, use the King James version. Um, that Revised Standard Version is what is is what I memorized the Lord's Prayer from, what I memorized the 23rd Psalm from, and also when I would think about probably most commonly. The 121st Psalm, um, um, uh, I look to the hills, and from whence does my help come? Uh, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That could very well be, I can't remember if that's uh, more King James or more Revised Standard, but that is like what is in my head when I carry that with me. It's also what uh, my mother, who I'll talk about later, uh, would have known. But we at Bloom decided, after a couple of years of being in ministry together, that we would focus in our worship on using um, a translation called the Inclusive Bible, which is an egalitarian translation that was created, started in the 70s, 1970s, and uh, uh, with the Psalms, and then was um, uh, went through to be uh, ultimately um, all of the books in the Roman Catholic Bible, because it was a group of priests named Priests for Equality that did the translation and put it together. And so what I'm reading from is the Inclusive Bible, which is what we use in prayer, uh, in worship, in our Sunday service every Sunday morning. So, and we typically read a gospel and we read 
um, a, a Hebrew scripture selection. So I would read uh, Psalm 121, which is labeled, and I'll ask you about this, um, a song of ascents. I lift my eyes to the mountains. From where will my help come? My help comes from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. Yahweh won't let our footsteps slip. Our guardian never sleeps. The guardian of Israel will never slumber, never sleep. Yahweh is our guardian. Yahweh is our shade. With God by my our side, the sun cannot overpower us by day, nor the moon by night. Yahweh guards us from harm, guards our lives. Yahweh guards our leaving and our coming back now and forever. You asked about the title, the song for the ascent. Uh, there is a number of psalms in this part of the book of psalms that have that shir hamaalot or shir lemaalot. Uh, you know, there's different ver there's different uh, views in in modern scholarship. One of them is is that these were psalms that were chanted by those that were making a pilgrimage to Israel, and this particular one as they approached the mountains around Jerusalem. Um, others have uh, posited that perhaps it was the the pilgrims coming up the steps, the steps into Jerusalem, into the onto the Temple Mount itself, and you'll hear that a lot from tour guides in Jerusalem when you're standing on those steps of the southern southern uh, southern wall excavations. And still others have said that these were psalms that were chanted by the Levites inside uh, in an area where there were steps in the center part of the temple complex. So uh, we don't really know. We don't really know. And this particular psalm, to limit it to those walking up to Jerusalem looking at the mountains, might be a little bit too specific, as Robert Alter mentions in his commentary. Maybe too specific, it's, it's in general speaking. Uh, but but tell me, why why was your eye caught? Why did your eye go to these mountains in this particular psalm? What makes this psalm special for you? Well, in very particular words, the psalm was the favorite of my mother. And um, it, it was just something that spoke to her. And whenever she would uh, go on a road trip or something, she would see mountains and, and think of God. Um, it was a very special time. And so when I, for her, and so, that, in fact, there's a photograph of her uh, uh, in Yellowstone National Park with mountains behind where she's standing in the sun with her arms wide open and, uh, uh, and, and with her eyes closed, arms open, eyes closed, face up, and she herself titled um, uh, the, uh, uh, the photo, um, uh, I look to, you know, I look to the hills. Uh, from uh, for God, you know that 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 is what was functioning in her mind. Um, you know, I will say that later I was a little bit let down when I read a commentary that said uh, it isn't saying God is in the hills; it's actually saying the opposite. Uh, it's saying people look to the hills to look for the Calvary to come to rescue them when they're in the when they're in the battle in the valley, and in the valley, God will be your guardian. God will be who takes care of you. Uh, that's that's a rough presentation of, of, of commentary. And so that was a little bit of a letdown for me. On the other hand, it was uh, a bit of my uh, constant quest for new learning and, and trying to mature in faith. Um, the thing about this psalm, in addition to it being my mother's favorite, and, and she went to her grave uh, with it meaning to her what it meant to her, and we read it at her funeral, 
um, and continue to do that when we visit. Um, but the uh, other aspect is that I have chosen this at Bloom for our Christmas Eve service. Um, on Christmas Eve, uh, we go through the traditional kind of narrative that you would expect at Christmas Eve of the journey, the prophecy, the journey to Bethlehem, the nativity, uh, and so forth. Um, and in our own congregation, there comes a point where because we live in Palm Springs, and because someone suggested it 17 years ago or 14 years ago when we started having these uh, services, we get up from where we are worshiping and go outside. And we go out and stand in front of our building, and uh, we are surrounded by luminaria candles. And on a clear night, we have the moon. And we also have the mountains. The moon is illuminating the mountains here in this wonderful location of Palm Springs. And so for me, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, logistically wonderful to read this with that reference in front of people's faces. Um, the moon shall not smite me by night. Um, but it is also, we're in a desert, and it's also the fact that for me in this, uh, this says such a uh, clear aspect of what could be the character of God in a person's life, the relationship that someone can have with God, the character of God, that for me, it brings the story full circle, that in the relationship to God, we can have this very close guarding relationship, uh, guardian relationship. And, and that in and of itself, for me, is the climax of the, of the Christmas story, in that God uh, presented God's self in such a way to relate to people and, 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 and stimulate, the, and re-stimulate this uh, relationship of guardianship. Hmm. Well, the, the mountains are so prevalent here in Palm Springs. Uh, Can't miss them. Right. They're just uh, This comes up a lot uh, at funerals here. We, we've incorporated this psalm into uh, the Jewish tradition, uh, liturgical tradition for a funeral as well. And from uh, at least one of the cemeteries, there's usually a view of the mountains. And it's I find it very useful to be able to direct people's eyes towards those mountains. When I was at Hebrew University in the 80s, I had a, a, a wonderful teacher, Professor Moshe Greenberg, of blessed memory, really one of the greats of biblical scholarship of the 20th century. And he taught us that, from his point of view, this was the psalmist was saying, looking up to the mountain, these tall mountains, which were worshipped in ancient Canaanite culture and in other places around the world, mountains are worshipped as the place of a god, as the throne of a god, a little g-god, or as a god itself. And what he said, uh, Professor Greenberg, was, you know, I look up at the mountains, everybody else says, well, that's where salvation comes from. Nah, -uh. my salvation comes from the one who made the mountain, the one who controls everything. That mountain's just a little pisher, as far as the universe is concerned. And so it's, it's a psalm of humbling, humbling in, in our understanding. Uh, so you mentioned the, the, the moon. Of course, the moon uh, is mentioned in this psalm as well. In a, in a rather strange thing, we understand it says, oh, God will protect me from being struck by the sun in the desert. We totally understand. Uh, we're totally. We totally get But how do you means. understand moonstruck, though? What's the protection there? Because <laughs> that's not, the next line. Have, have you not, been moonstruck before? Uh, I, I have not thought of it as moonstruck. How do you think? Um, I you thought understand? of it as faulty science um, of, of the ancient people. Um, fear of the light in the sky, the biggest light in the sky. 
and so uh, indigenous people, uh, you know, wondered what that was about and were afraid of it. It also control well in 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 uh, well, I suppose you know they they controlled the tides on the Mediterranean, uh, and so there would be conceivably reference to uh, you know that kind of control going on. Um, and as we do read at times, especially I was with a geologist when we read Job once, and there's this really good earth science in Job um, the, uh, uh, that basically blew us away uh, because of how uh, forward, forward thinking isn't the right word, but just how, how brilliant it was and, and accurate. Um, and the, but, but the moonstruck, I have never thought of it as moonstruck, and right now I'm kind of awestruck and uh, tongue-tied by the fact that uh, you, the moon struck. And all that I keep thinking of is uh, Cher and, uh, and, and Nick, uh, or whatever his name is, you know, getting slapped, and he says, snap out of it in the movie Moonstruck. Right. Or was that even that movie? I think it might have been. Anyway. Well, that, but that's uh, what the, the line in Hebrew really does. Walter's translation here is, by day the sun does not strike you, nor the moon by night. I mean, so nor the moon, moon strike, strike you. you. So yeah. I'd like to put this perhaps in the, in the, in the context of, of what Greenberg taught us, is that this is a polemic against idolatry. Mm-hmm. And um, God will protect you against that sun. The sun is a dangerous thing, but the sun is not a god. And neither is the moon. And perhaps the moon struck the, this awe of this light in the middle of the night. What's it doing? It doesn't really warm us up. What all the uh, led to the fact that it became rather involved in magic and but worshipped. And this is something that struck me out here in in being in the desert. I grew up with the phrase, and you we you and I always joke because there's so many American Americanisms, idioms in English that I don't really know. I don't understand. I certainly not use them. You coming from Wisconsin, you use a lot of them. <laughs> And so, um, so, but I remember, you know, people who are sun worshippers. Yeah. Like, what's a sun worshipper? Yeah. Uh, well, Palm Springs kind of attracted sun worshippers. Yeah. You see the people, you see the skin, the, the situation, you know, the, the... The tanning. And and after many years of being here. Right. Um, but there's also other forms of what I would say idol worship out here. And that is, for instance, uh, movie stars, celebrities, and... Money. Houses, mammon, houses, <laughs> and houses. Architecture. To me, I, I I love architecture. I think it's wonderful, aesthetic kind of a, a feature of our lives. But sometimes I just feel like there's far more concern about a house, mm-hmm. the building, than the people who are out here. And I think you share that concern. Yes, I mean I'm all for historic preservation, uh, and and uh, I'm glad for Modernism Week, uh, in that it brings money into the uh, uh, the tax base. Um, but still, it's not a matter of, of, of worship. I would say more. Uh, maybe I would offer what was struck me most when I came here was um, the worship of youth and all of the plastic surgery and, uh, the, bo- and the worship of Botox mm-hmm. uh, and how um, it was uh, so prevalent not only in, uh, you know, with older po- folks, but uh, like uh, preventive. Pre- Pre-evenient grace is a Methodist concept. It's like pre-evenient Botox. Uh, you know, you, you start using it before you know you need it. Um, I think there are, we, we, there are people that you and I know uh, that are doing that. Um, uh, and uh, uh, it, it, that, that, that for me was more of the idolatry that I saw when I came here. Then there's just um, uh, uh, due to, uh, I'll, I'll say this, uh, <clears throat> due to 
the uh, hateful nature of many Christians toward the LGBT community. When I came here, it was really clear how many people were in pain, and they wanted nothing to do with a mainline church such as us mm. that professes to be Christian, mm-hmm. um, and we are. Uh, we are followers of Jesus. Um, and, and so they would find other ways. And, then, and those ways led to a worship of money and a prosperity gospel, but they would never call it that. A search for how to get rich, how to be successful. If you just do so many things, um, you will be successful. If you just have mountains of money, you will be successful. If you have mountains of success, you will be successful. But the psalmist would say, it's not that. Your help is in God. And um, that would, and, and from my perspective, Jesus is the one who gets very clear in more than one gospel saying you can't worship both God and mammon. Um, you will love one and hate the other. And I actually think I've seen that happen. Um, and in our national politics, it's raging. But that's another story. That's another, that's another, story. That's another podcast. Right. So... You and I have uh, gotten together over the last few years to organize a, a, a religious service, a, a worship, interfaith worship service at the beginning of Pride festivities out here in November, first weekend in November, and we're going to do that this year as well. And I would share with you and our listeners um, that I recited this psalm at the first gay pride march in Jerusalem. Mm. I was a little bit involved in the organizing, and then they asked me to say a prayer for the traveler, which is in our tradition. And and I used this psalm, uh, emphasizing the last words, Adonai Yishmor Tzeitecha Uvo Echa Meatavi Adolam, the Lord guard your, or may the Lord guard your comings and your goings um, for now and forever. So, uh, we hope that this psalm goes out wherever you're listening to this too, uh, and and that it protects you on the way from uh, from bad driving habits, from uh, from bad weather. Uh, protects you as well from the challenges in our life of, of misunderstanding what something is and considering it to be a god, what was traditionally known as idolatry, and uh, from the dangers of intolerance and injustice in our society. Uh, Rev Kev, we want to thank you for being here today, for talking with us, and we look forward to many more conversations, discussion as this one. Thank you very much, and I uh, look forward to being with you again. Psalm Springs is a production of Or Hamid Bar, Light of the Desert, an organization dedicated to intellectual, spiritual, and social engagement with the Jewish tradition. We're based in Palm Springs, California. We'd like to give thanks to Madalena Garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production. Please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information. And if you'd like to sponsor a Psalm Springs episode, you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.